There they go. Hey, the chaos theory doing their thing as always. I want to welcome everybody in to another edition of Hanging with Harge right here on the Texas Sports Unfiltered Network. I am your boy, Harbaugh Harge, representing the 254 as always, but I'm also representing the 512. As always, make sure you follow us on Twitter at TS Unfiltered and then follow us on Instagram at Texas Sports Unfiltered. And you can also text us at the show 512-222-9328. Let's give some of those super chats going too. I see everybody trying to do these super chats around the country. Make sure y'all hit us up with the super chat. It'll jump you to the front of the line. Uh, On today's show, we're going to have my man Danny Davis of the Austin American Statesman uh, joining us at 1125 to kind of talk about what are you seeing with the University of Texas football team thus far? What are the expectations? Get his thoughts on the Bama game and what's next for Texas. As we've talked about before, whenever you're dealing with the University of Texas, can they handle success? Have they been able to handle success? And that's one of the things that I'm going to be paying attention to. And I want to get Danny's thoughts on that because Danny's been covering his team for quite some time, the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows. So I want to make sure that we get Danny Davis of the Austin American Statesman's perspective because he sometimes is the voice of reason. You know, you got to be neutral in these types of situations. And sometimes it's hard for me to be as neutral as a professional like my man, Danny Davis. So we'll get into that. Also, um, I'm working on a guest for you guys on Friday. Can't tell you who it is, but let's just say this. Get your baseball questions ready for me so we can go through them on Thursday. I'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. But as we talk about baseball, I want to get into it just a little bit. As, as most of you know, I've, I've been around the game for a very, very long time, and I have been watching it and breaking it down. I do some analyst work for Flow Baseball. I've done some stuff with my man Craig Way doing Texas Longhorns Baseball. I've done some professional games around Rock Express with my man Mac, Mike Caps. And uh, shout out to Chris Amadaris and Tim Jackson, uh, Jackson Ryan, Reed Ryan, all those guys. Got a chance to spend some time with them yesterday over at the ballpark. So it's always good to chop it up and get back engaged with this baseball because it is that time. I know we want to talk a lot of football. I am a football guy, too. I love football. But as you sit here and you look for the hunt for October, September is very important. You're starting to see some call-ups. You're starting to see some of these top prospects. But you're also starting to see who is going to be there at the end and who is just going to fade away. So it leads me to this, and it's kind of interesting to me because what's the question that I have right now? And I know my man Ike is going to be mad at me for bringing this up, but what's going on with the Houston Astros versus the whenever they're playing against the Oakland A's? They lost to them last night, 6-2, uh, to two, and it is interesting because this whole time, the Oakland A's have been a team that is the worst in baseball. They are 46 and 99 as a team, and they're battling the Royals for the worst record in baseball. The Royals have lost 101 games. The Texas, I mean, the Houston Astros, I mean, sorry, the Oakland A's have lost 99 games. So they are battling for being the worst. And here we are with the Houston Astros. They're battling to win the AL West. 
And the team that always seems to give them trouble is the Oakland A's. They played them twice. They've already beat them twice. The Oakland A's have already beaten them twice at home. And this is the most intriguing part for me as if you're an Astros fan. The Astros have a better record, 45 and 27, on the road than what they have at home at Minime. Is that normal? No. The Houston Astros playing at Minime is normally a place where other teams come and get beat up. I just, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand how they let this happen to them. So here's the other part of it. When you start to think about it, and I'll, tell, I'll equate it back to football. We always talk about the Texas Longhorns and how they play down to their opponent. Is that what we can say for the Houston Astros at this time? Are the Houston Astros playing down to their opponent? Now it's a series, so I'm not really worried about it. The, they'll move on and be away from them. But it it's real. It's one of those stories where you continue to look at it and you say, interesting. How does this continue to happen? Are they playing down to their opponents? And it's important to understand, too, that they are now in this race with the Texas Rangers who beat the the Blue Jays yesterday 6-3, to and they're on a four-game winning streak, and they're one game behind the Houston Astros right now for first place in the AL West. Thoughts? Ranger fans, Astros fans, is this going to be a fight to the finish. Are they expected to be a battle for the AL West? Now, we all believe that they're going to make it. I think I think both Texas teams are going to be in the playoffs, and they're going to – I hope that they end up playing each other to get to the World Series. But as of right now, when you sit and you look at how this is playing out, because whoever wins the West might get a bye. Might get a bye. This is going to be an exciting race. And let's not forget about the Seattle Mariners. But the Seattle Mariners are stumbling a little bit. Yeah, they got the victory last night, but the Mariners are three and seven in their last 10 games. This entire race is what September baseball into October is all about. Everybody dials in. Everybody is trying to figure out the positioning of where they're going to be. How are they trying to match up? You look at last night's game for the Rangers. Scherzer messed up his arm, had tendonitis, still went five and a third, got the win. But what is that going to do for the setup for the Rangers and who is going to be the one to step up for them. Because now if Scherzer's out, you've already lost the ground. Nathan Uvalde is still trying to get healthy. Heaney went out the other day and tried to pitch. You still got Martin Perez. I was at Round Rock yesterday. I saw some AAA pitchers that might be able to come up and help you. But the one thing that continues to be a problem for both of them, AAA and the major leagues, is developing pitchers in the bullpen to be able to come in and get crucial outs for you. 
That is the intriguing part for me for the Houston, for the Texas Rangers. Now for the Houston Astros, we can continue to give them the benefit of the doubt because of the fact of who they are, what they've been through, how they've achieved and who's going to be the guy. I mean, how are they going to continue to look into that light and be successful? They've been there. They've done that. They've been around it. They've done their part with that. But are they prepared in this day and age to have their bullpen set up the right way, their position players doing things? It is a fun, fun time. And that, to me, is going to be the most interesting part. Pay attention to baseball. We are coming up against it. And this is where teams kind of try to separate themselves some teams are already put positioned themselves. The only team that has clinched a, a spot in the playoffs is in the National Leagues, and that is the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves are playing some unbelievable baseball. They're putting up ridiculous numbers. Matt Olson uh, tied the record with Andrew Jones for the most home runs in a single season. And think about that. You trade away. You trade away a player. And Fred, well, you let him walk. Freddie Freeman, who's an all-star, who's a stud, who, who who's slapping the hell out of the baseball for the Dodgers. But you go out and get a Matt Olson, and then he just comes in and picks up where Freddie left off and just kept it moving, kept it moving. And if you listen to my shows before, we had Chipper Jones on, and Chipper is really tight with Freddie Freeman, real tight with Freddie Freeman. But he also said that when the Braves make you an offer, because Chipper is somebody who spent his entire career with the Atlanta Braves with one team, when he was drafted number one overall in 1990 and played his entire Hall of Fame career with the exact same team, they go out and they go and get some people and they make things different for you. So for them to go out and get Matt Olson and to make it like that, that was very, very impressive. But as we were talking about in baseball, I wanted to make sure that we gave a special shout out to Corey Seager. Corey Seager is the shortstop for the Texas Rangers. And I also want to give a shout out to my man, Jared Sandler. Follow him on Twitter or X at Jared Sandler on Twitter. He's the voice of the Texas Rangers. He does a lot of their radio games. He brought these stats up and these are some amazing, amazing stats when you think about it. Corey Seager leads the National League, I mean, American League, in hitting, batting average at 341. He missed 40 games this year due to injury. He missed 40 games. He's qualified enough. He's got enough at-bats. Qualified to be in the running for a batting title. This is a guy who last year... When he came over, everybody thought it was disappointing because it was him and Marcus Simeon. They came in. It was not the most productive situation for them. I thought Corey hit the ball well. But he was making some hard outs. And sometimes the numbers are skewed. Uh, I don't always believe in every single number that's out there because you don't know the situation, how it played out. Was it early in the game? Was it late in the game? There's so many different things that go into those numbers. But the one thing that I do know is every time I got a chance to watch him, I went to spring training this year, got a chance to spend some time with those guys, got a chance to watch them go to work and look at the diligence in the in, at their job. 
Corey Seager is a man. He fills out that batter's box better than anybody that I've seen in a very long time. And the numbers are telling us that. So he's missed 40 games this year. But just so you know, and this is courtesy of Jared Sandler, he said Corey Seager is leading the American League with 39 doubles. The fewest games played by a player to lead their league in doubles is 118 by Paul Molitor. And that was in 1987 where he had 41 doubles. If if Seager was to play the rest of the way, he will get it at, he'll get it in 119 games. Think about that. He also gave us this step. He said, Jared Sandler, I mean, Jared Sandler, Corey Seager has 69 extra base hits on the season. Let's put this in perspective. That's a, that's on, on 160, if he was to play 162 games, he would have 111 extra base hits that would put him with the third most in the history of Major League Baseball. And you want to know who those people are? And remember, mind you, he would have played 162 games. He would have 111 extra base hits. 119, Babe Ruth. 117, Lou Gehrig. 111, Corey Seager. And 107, Barry U.S. Bonds. Now, I'm a baseball guy. I love the game. I watch the game. I don't know. Like I said, I don't always look at those numbers and and just fantasize about them and just drive myself crazy with them. But what I do know is when a guy is able to put up those types of numbers, guy that is able to swing the bat the way that he is able to swing the bat and be the the, the pr- productive batter for that team. If I'm not mistaken, I believe last night he had three hits. I was watching the game while I was doing some work, but every time I looked up, he was rounding the bag, getting another double, getting another double. I mean, the guy is a hit machine, and he plays a damn good shortstop. So I know we were talking about Shohei Otani and what was expected of him and him possibly being the MVP of the league. Excuse me. I would look at Corey Seager now. Because, number one, he's on a team that's winning. I just told you that the Rangers are one game out of first place in the AL West. If he can continue to hit the ball the way that he is, that, to me, is going to be the most impressive part of it. Shout out to my man, Sal. Sal asked me a question. Harge, the MLB Network, should hire you. You're a brilliant, brilliant baseball man. I've been working on that, Sal. My buddy Cliff Floyd is over there. I keep telling Cliffy he needs to get me on there. But I just watch the game and I understand it at a different level. Not not saying better than anybody because there's a lot of people that are diving into the analytics of it all and looking at different things. But when you sit and you watch the game and you see the productivity and you learn how people move and you you you've been in those dugouts and you see the work ethic that people put into it, it's it's interesting to me because these guys are now facing dudes that are throwing 95 miles an hour on the black on a backdoor slider and then running 102 mile an hour fastball up there. And they're turning it around like it's nothing. And people always ask me, what, why is it that baseball is so different now than it was then? 
And I said, it's still the same baseball game. Everybody always wants to look at the numbers and say, let's hit home runs and put this up. I still believe that the art of winning baseball games is moving a guy over when you need to. You don't have to play for the three-run home run. If you get your pitch and you're able to drive it out of the park, great. But look at what Ronald Acuna Jr. is doing for the Atlanta Braves. He's not only hitting home runs, he's stealing bases, he's scoring runs. He's doing all the things that are asked of a, of a, a professional baseball player. Because at the end of the day, you want to win ball games. And I don't care how you get there. You know, they're paying guys now ridiculous amounts of money. I am not jealous and I ain't pocket watching. But I know that what I was told as a player is now I I would have been one of those guys that have been up there, but I was striking out a lot. I'm not afraid to say that. I struck out a lot because my approach was not what it was later in my career. Early in my career, my approach was I was trying to get it. I was swinging at everything. You threw, you rolled it up there. I was trying to be Vladimir Guerrero before Vladimir Guerrero. But now you sit and you watch, and guys are now changing it. That's why they took away the shift. That's why they sped up the game. That's why they're only making you able to throw over to second base or first base on pickoffs twice in a game. There's so many different angles of this game and the thought process. The one part also that everybody was talking about was we need to do more with the understanding of the fundamentals of the game because what we're teaching the kids nowadays is velo and launch angle and exit velocity and all that stuff but you can throw 100 miles an hour but if you can't throw strikes what good are you? I was at the uh, Round Rock Express game. There was guys that was up there throwing gas, but they couldn't find the strike zone. What good is that? Oh, look at how fast he's throwing. Yeah, but he hit the carnival worker over there on the side. So what does that do for you? Nothing. So this, getting back to the point is, I love this time of year. Because we're getting football. We're getting pennant races. You got soccer. I know. Don't get it twisted. I live in a soccer household. I like soccer. Love watching the kids play. Love, I watched the USA team last night. So you, this is a fun time for everyone that's involved. We got NFL action that is happening tomorrow night. Uh, NFL Thursday night football, Minnesota Vikings is going to be taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. That's an intriguing matchup for me. So we have things that are going on all the time. But when you're watching Major League Baseball, pay attention to it. See who's getting hot at the right time. See what guys are taking their at-bats on point. See who's not giving away because it's late in the season. The guys, like I was saying earlier, the Rays and the A's, it don't look like I mean, the the A's and the Royals, they aren't giving away at-bats because they are playing for next year's contracts. So they're going to fight and they're going to play hard. So if you're thinking about playing down to your competition, you better think about it again because these guys are coming at you. All right, let's get into it. I want to talk a little bit about some of our sponsors. You know, audiovisual consultations, Woods, Syntax Tickets, Last Stand Hats, uh, Brain Vault, 
All Stab Beer, Relax the Back, Top Gun Rental and Lawn Equipment, and 7-Eleven. But I want to talk to you about Covert Bee Cave. This Friday at Covert Bee Cave on 42 acres of beautiful hill country, uh, you will get to see our man Casey Stutter. Casey Stutter will be at the Covert Bee Cave location this Friday starting at 1130, doing a Q&A, signing autographs, meeting people, kissing babies. Unlike Russell Wilson, Casey's retired, so he can go out there and talk to you and let you know what his thoughts are. But make sure you go out to Covert, not just to see Casey, but you need to do yourself a favor. And if you're in a, in a, in a mood for a new car, they got you covered. Whether it's a Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, or Ram, Covert BK will take care of you. Not only do they have those locations, they also have Ford in Huddle, and they have a Ford Lincoln in Austin off of 183. Covert BKs have something for everybody. Uh, Covert BK also service all makes and model and have 86 bays. So your time, your time will be, your wait time will be minimal. So if you can get in there, they will take care of you. Do yourself a favor, visit covertbcave.com for the latest specials and inventory and just stop by and check it out. You may not, you may pull in there just to see Casey, but you're going to see a beautiful vehicle out there and you might end up leaving with a beautiful car from Covert. The Coverts are great people. I've hung out with both of them, all of them. And let me just tell you that those people really care about customer service. So make sure you get out to Covert BK. Visit covertbcave.com. In a few minutes, we're going to end up talking to my man, Danny Davis of the Austin American Statesman. And I'm going to ask Danny some questions about this Texas football team and what he sees, the growth, uh, the maturation of a team. Because throughout the week, and since the very beginning of the season, I've told you guys the things that I saw uh, three years ago, I don't see now. You know, the false starts, the jumping off sides, the, the unnecessary penalties, Coach Sark on the sideline looking like he's about to have an aneurysm because he's so wound up about his team. I think that this team is built in a different way. It's built in Sark's manner. But I think we also need to look at the coaching staff and what they were able to bring, the support staff and what they have been able to bring. Uh, the accountability that is being bestowed upon every single coach and player and them holding themselves accountable. accountable. Those are the things that I've seen a big difference in for myself. The other part of it is he looks like he's more comfortable and he looks like the offense with what he's looking at looks like they have a better understanding of their jobs. And I've talked about this for a long time because there was a time where everybody wanted a new coach. Everybody wanted, every year we were trying to get a new coach in. Oh, we need to fire that guy. Oh, well, we need to get rid of this. And I kept saying the more coaches that come through here, the different voices that are going to continue to happen, the players are going to be the ones to listen to it. Because now they have to treat a new coach different. They have to listen to a new defense. They have to have a better understanding. And now it, they're teaching the teachers, right? So they're spending all that time trying to learn a new system, staying late, watching film, which you should do anyway. But you put yourself in a position to where it's like, why is this happening? Why are we 
continuing to listen to different voices and then expect it to go out there and do things the way to a high level. You can't do that. I understand the change sometimes is necessary, but unnecessary change creates unnecessary problems. Because if you go in there and you put the work in, things change. And if you listen to the coaching staff and the way that they present things to you, you will be, have a better understanding and they're putting you in the right place. So those are the things that I've seen differently when it comes to uh, the Texas Longhorn football team. And joining us right now from the Austin American Statesman is a good friend, good man, Danny Davis. Danny, you're muted, brother. How you doing? I'm good. I always like to keep myself on mute when I'm not talking because I'm always afraid something's going to crash in the background or I'm going to cough or something like that or make some noise that no one needs to hear. So I always like to say, put the mute button. Well, I appreciate you joining on and taking the time. I know that you're a busy man. First question that I have for you, sir. Did you go to Tuscaloosa? I did. We were spending money like crazy at the States and we actually sent six people to Tuscaloosa. So we were we were rolling six deep into Tuscaloosa, and it was a, it was a lot of fun um, just being at that stadium, obviously seeing the game, just kind of getting a taste of what the SEC is like. Uh, the, the rental car situation was a little bit uh, – was not fun. I don't think they were ready for all these Texas uh, fans and media uh, coming in. So that, but that was a little bit of a mess. But as soon as we got that figured out, the rest of the trip was a lot of fun. That sounds like it. It sounds like it. I mean, the atmosphere, give us a breakdown on what the atmosphere was like. I know, like you said, this was the first trip. Now, we've been to New Orleans. We were there when Georgia and Texas played in the Sugar Bowl. So we've seen a little bit of the SEC atmosphere. But you're going to someone's home field. You're going into their territory. And they've been doing this for a while. They're not used to getting punched in the face at home. So what was that atmosphere like in Tuscaloosa? I mean, this, this was 100,000 people who love football. Um, it's probably, I don't know if you can completely liken it to Fayetteville in 2021 just because there was extreme hatred for Texas on that. Uh, <laughs> on, on that beat. You know, I heard from plenty of parents who were walking out after that game and had a, you know, some run-ins with some joyous Arkansas fans. And granted, there were some run-ins with some angry Alabama fans during during the game has, has been has been well, well reported, but I mean Alabama, you know, it was just a lot of people who love football are very passionate about their team and their program. Um, walking around campus, kind of walking by the frat and sorority houses, and they were doing all their things, and a lot of people just walking around having fun before the game. And then obviously you get in the stadium, and it was a little. I didn't get the full experience because you're in the press box, and you, you know, as in a press box, you know, it's it's the, the windows are closed and stuff like that. Um, they yeah. did open up some of the windows, so. You could hear some stuff, but, you know, the light show is probably a little bit different for those people who are in the stands as opposed to or on the field as opposed to it was in the press box. And, um, you know, Sweet Home Alabama probably was a little bit louder if you were out in the field than, than where we heard. And it was pretty loud in the press box. So, I mean, there's just a lot of tradition there and a lot of um, a lot of fun. I think it gave those Texas fans and Texas players a taste of what's going to happen in the next couple of years. Maybe not next year because. Yeah, I don't know if Vanderbilt's going to bring that <laughs> when they go to Nashville or, um, you know, Kyle Field will be rocking when Texas heads down there oh, next yeah. year. But um, it, I think the last, you know, that trip to Fayetteville and that trip to Tuscaloosa probably did give the 
hardcore Texas fans that made that trip kind of a taste of what SAC life's going to be. And it's probably going to be a little different than Stillwater or Manhattan. Now, those those places do get up when Texas comes into town. I think everybody gets up when Texas comes into town because everybody gets kind of annoyed by the Texas uh, hoopla in the noise that Texas make. And speaking of noise, obviously the reason why you were there was to see how this Texas football team was going to react going up against Nick Saban in that Alabama Crimson Tide. First true road trip with Quinn as the quarterback where it was going to be hostile. He knew it. We thought about it last year. We were in the press box last year watching Quinn pretty much take apart that that Alabama defense before he got the injury and everybody was left with the what if, what if, what if. Well, now he got a chance to go out there. I'm not going to even call it a redemption. I, I, I would call it more of uh, finishing the game where Texas had an opportunity last year to win that game, and it goes to the what if. Well, we saw what Quinn is able to do. What were your first thoughts when you saw the energy and the execution? And shout out to Coach Sark with the game plan. That game plan was on point. I watched the game again last night, but what was your takeaway when you saw how Quinn was able to respond to the Alabama defense? Yeah, I think um, – <clears throat> You know, as you said, I don't know if redemption is the right word. That's definitely not the word Quinn would use. Maybe it's more affirmation for what you know us in the media, the Texas fans, a lot of the people who follow college football thought that okay, this was this five-star kid. You know, three years ago um, at this mm-hmm. point is when he got to Ohio State, and this is what a lot of people expected out of him. Kind of, there's some bumps and bruises along the way there's some high points as you know that first quarter against Alabama last year certainly the Oklahoma game but there was definitely low points too and you know I'm sure there's pretty plenty of people who watch your show or you know Texas fans who are on message boards or emailing us at the Statesman talking about you know Arch Manning or Malik Murphy and kind of wondering if if those uh young men should be given the keys to keys to this vehicle but Quinn kind of showed why you know Steve has stuck with him and um given you know, he gets so much. He's he's gotten the benefit of the doubt from his head, his head coach. Now, granted, it helps when your offensive line does not allow <laughs> Alabama to pretty much you know sniff you the right. entire night. It helps when your receiving crew is stacked and incredibly talented. But Quinn made the throws. Quinn did not make any mistakes, and Quinn is kind of the heart the heartbeat of that offense. And he definitely guided them and played. You know, was really efficient throughout the throughout the afternoon and kind of just gave or evening and just gave us finally just that, that taste of what we've been waiting for. If you've been covering or rooting for the Longhorns for um, a long time, I guess, you know, the Sam, the Sam years were good if you were a Texas fan, but you know, Texas fans have been craving for that quarterback since uh, they got spoiled there for a little bit with Benson Colt back to back. They've been kind of, they've been jonesing for that taste again. And uh, Quinn, Quinn delivered that on Saturday. Now it's just a matter of, can he continue that going forward? Well, I'm glad you said that, too. We're talking to Danny uh, Davis of the Austin American Statesman. And I'm glad you brought that up, Danny, because that has been my biggest um, point of emphasis for the week is rinse and repeat, right? You got to get that out of there. You, 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 Everybody's telling you how great you are. You're on national television all over the place. Uh, you jump up in the rankings. And, yes, you, you achieve something that we thought could be done. But now the ultimate goal for you as a, as a team has always been to be in the Big 12 championship game and win a Big 12 championship. Coming in this weekend, 
Wyoming's the team that just happens to be next on the schedule. I was telling folks yesterday that my neighbor was was came to me on Sunday and said, I wish that this game would have been on the road again because now they're back at home. Now they're going to be thinking about us. They're going to be loved upon. Are they able to focus? And my biggest question mark, and this is something I wanted to ask you, my biggest question mark is do they know how to handle success? I think that's the biggest question this week. Can this team handle success? And is that on Coach Sark or is it on the players? Well, first off, I, I think your neighbor is saying that as someone who wouldn't have to actually travel to Laramie um, this weekend. Very true. I don't know anyone who actually wants to wants to go to Wyoming, but um, that's <laughs> nobody a, that's wants a, to go to Laramie. I got that's you. the Montana in me. I'm allowed to you know poke fun at our <laughs> friends from the south, but yeah, I mean we're going to find out. I mean it's uh, you know you always talk about the pressure it is to be a Texas Longhorn, and um, you know everyone's used to having all this attention, but it's a little different when you're the you know, Texas got to come into the season as silly as it is, being a Texas Longhorn, being the Hunters. And, you know, even though, you know, everyone likes to say, you know, we're Texas, we're the biggest game on everyone's schedule. People are always coming after us and all that stuff. They, you know, weren't ranked in the top 10. They were, they weren't, uh, they, did, they they were on top of the Big 12 uh, poll. But, you know, there's still a lot of questions marks, marks about this team. But now they are unquestioned, you know, the team, everyone's coming after them. They are not going to, they're going to be favored unless something really bad happens they're going to be favored in every game the rest of the way so i mean they're the target is on them that pressure is on them they're going to have to deal they're going to figure out how to deal with a different kind of pressure and it's you know it's easy for us to say uh we think this team can do it we think um they, they had the mindset to do it but it's another completely thing to do it i mean you, you do think that it helps that they do have some good veteran leadership um in that locker room i think steve was asked about it um, on, on Monday or one of the players was and they listed off like 10 different players uh, veteran players who you know are going to be in charge of leading that way and it helps you know when you have a Jalen Ford it helps when you have a Jordan Whittington who's been here five years a Christian Jones who's been here six you know some of those guys who you know have been have seen the highs and you know make, remember what it was like coming off that 2018 season and then everything completely cratering out the next year when uh, maybe they weren't as focused as they needed to be. So I think it does help that you have those veterans in the, in the locker room, but you know, we'll see. It's not, it's, it's, it's easy to predict, but it's going to be completely a different thing for those guys to go out there and do it. And um, you, if you're a Texas fan, you just hope that a, the talent on the field wins out, but then B um, the leaders in that locker room are able to keep those um, maybe some of the younger players Keep that. Keep their focus on on the prize and not uh, not the cute girls in the stand or the stands or the NI opportunities. Are I'm sure going to start flowing in and some of that off field stuff and that they can all focus on that stuff. Maybe come uh, come January as opposed to the middle of, sept- of September. So yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up too because you know there has been a ton of accolades that were given out and rightfully so. I mean, I love the fact that Anthony Hill. He was one of the guys that I had on Friday that I wanted to see grow up a little bit. Um, He didn't play a lot of snaps in that first game against Rice, and maybe that's why. I don't think a lot of those guys got an opportunity. But when you look at what this defensive line and what the defense period, because we've talked so much about the offense, but that defense was something to behold. I mean, from the front four and the rotation of guys that were able to come in and put in pressure, you looked at the linebackers kind of chasing around Jalen Milrow, and kind of keeping him at bay on the ground. 
But then the secondary, the defensive play calling from P- PK. I said on Saturday, I was like, PK and Sark were in their bag on how they were trying to stop this team. What stood out to you on the defensive side of the ball? I know about the pressure, but who 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 would you have given game balls to if you had to? I mean, I think the easy easy answers are probably you know Anthony Hill or Ethan Burke, um, two young guys who are definitely definitely coming around. But you know, I love the way. It, I mean, I love watching Jade Barron play. I Me think he's a fun, you know, big big highlight big highlight guy. Can hit and cover. You know, always seems to have a turnover at the right time. Uh, Jaron Thompson is kind of the leader. Um, you know, in that in that secondary, it helps to have a Jaron Thompson and a Jalen Catalong to two old guys as your as your top two safeties. And Jaron obviously had that big pick that you know kind of when Alabama desperately needed a response that a uh, pick you know set up another score and kind of helped Texas just kind of finally just take control of the game. So I mean, if there was one game ball. I mean, you had to just get out get out the axe or whatever you use to cut up a football and divide. <laughs> Five or six different guys, and you know, you know I think uh, you know, we we did our podcast yesterday and um, said Golden gave his game ball to Steve um, just for kind of how he you know made a game plan and um, how the team kind of married his aggressiveness and all, all of that stuff. But I think PK deserves some deserves some love. Like it wasn't too long ago that me um, I don't know exactly what your thoughts were on the matter, but. Probably you, every other member of the media, every single fan that's going to go into DKR wanted that guy on the first trip back to first plane back to Wyoming. And there's there were some fans who had helped him pack if I uh, give right. him that opportunity. But, you know, Texas uh, obviously was not impatient with him, stuck it out. And, you know, they got over those growing pains from that first year. And it helps now that there's staff continuity. It helps now that those players are, you know, the Jalen Fords, Jaron Thompson's, uh, the Devondre Sweats, those guys are all in year three in this system and then you know you can bring along those young those young phenoms they've signed the anthony hills uh, ethan burke in, in year two now and um it just seems like everything's kind of meshing together which was not something i think a lot of us saw i mean i don't think if you had asked me um coming off the field after that kansas loss you know <laughs> what how many points do you think uh they're going to hold alabama to the next two years like i can tell you i would not have guessed uh, uh 20 and 24 i may have guessed uh Combine that and double it by two, and I, that may be the over under. And yes, you know, that's a credit to this coaching staff as well as the players who had to go out there and execute and you know make the make the plays. I'm glad you brought that up about PK because yes, I was one of those guys, just like you, that was like, wait, how does nobody ever do their research when they come to the Big Twelve to understand? that the Big 12 is not what you thought it was going to be. These guys like to run the football. Yes, they throw it to to set up the run, and sometimes the run is the setup for the pass. So I was with you on that. But the other part of it, too, and I was this is another reason why I was really big on PK and what he was able to design, was the fact that last year the whole conversation was about Gary Patterson. It wasn't about PK. It was Gary had a whole offseason to look at this film, and maybe PK did too, but it was his game plan. It was his players going out and executing it. And I've been preaching what you just said too, Danny, the entire time. Everybody was quick to change, 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 but not understanding that every time you bring in a new defensive coordinator, the defense is having to learn, and they don't play free. They play slow. And so they don't want to make that mistake. They think they see what they thought they saw, but now they just go and react to it 
And that to me is why this team, because everybody's keep talking about, man, they look fast. They look fast. It's because they're just playing now. And I will say, just going off that, and I don't know if I'm in the minority. I don't know if I'm in the majority. I don't know where I am as far as his opinion, but I I, I hated that Gary Patterson storyline last year. I thought it was so overplayed and so overrated. Yeah, I'm sure Gary did have contribute to the success, and it did help to have him in the room and as a resource and stuff like that. But I, I it, on the list of reasons, I think this defense has gotten got better. Gary is far down the list, and I think it was disrespectful to give him that much credit. I think it was disrespectful to the coaches. Uh, I thought it was the coaches. That was disrespectful to the players, um, you know, because the players are out there making the plays, and the coaches, like I said, I think the continuity among them helped. I thought the scheme, um, it's PK's scheme, and, you know, Gary Patterson was not the reason why this defense got better. He may be, have, have, he might have contributed, but I think he got far too much credit from some some of us in the media who who like Gary and you know um, you know wanted to, wanted to keep that those ties but um, you know on the list of reasons why I think this defense uh, made a made a turnaround uh, Gary is uh, far far down my list um, but that's just my personal thought on that yeah Gary, Gary spending a lot of time with his TCU buddies here lately every time I look up on social media. He got the horn frogs up. So I don't know what, what's Gary doing now, but I know he's enjoying that retirement. So now let's fast forward. You know, we're, we need to move forward. I know everybody's still talking about Bama, and fans should be. They should continue to enjoy it. But the players, they've got to get, put their focus on the Wyoming Cowboys as they come here to play at DKR. And you sit here and you look at this team, and, and you truly don't know what to think of them. Because you see what they did against Texas Tech and you look at the numbers that they put up and going to double overtime and they 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 win that game. And then next week they play Portland State and it's only a 31 to 17 type of game. Uh, what is it that you see from this Wyoming team from the time that you've been kind of scouting and paying attention to them that Longhorn fans should expect? Hey, look, Texas has the most talent. Uh, on this team, that's not breaking news. No, I, no one, no one just fell out of their chair when I, when I, when I. I can't believe you said that, Danny. Yeah. Um, and Texas should win. And Texas, I mean, I, I heard the spreads like in the twenties or whatever, like that. I don't want to say twenty-eight, twenty-eight that spread or whatever. But you know, the thing that Wyoming does have for them is, I don't think Wyoming is going to be scared of Texas. Um, I think that helps when you beat a team like Tech a couple weeks ago. I think that. Probably gave them a lot of confidence and a lot of swagger. And, um, you know, this Portland State game, I haven't gone back and watched the film, but maybe they were caught looking ahead maybe to this week as opposed to taking care of a, you know, mediocre FCS school. Um, and that's maybe why that score was was a little bit too close, which may serve as a warning to Texas not to look ahead to conference play and to take care of the team that they have coming in. But, you know, to, Wyoming has a couple of nice players. There's some players that, you know, I mean, showed a couple of years ago when Isaiah Nair transferred over here that, yep. you know, if they jumped at the portal, I'm sure uh, Steve and his uh, staff would, would look at. I mean, and they do have a graduate transfer at, at, at quarterback who's very confident, having a pretty decent season. They have some nice linebackers. Uh, they have a really good kicker. Um, so if the field goals aren't going to win this game, can't get into the field goal <laughs> shootout. But, you know, if someone needs to make a kick, uh, they, they definitely probably have confidence uh, that can get done. And like I said, you know, after – Opening the season against against Tech with a win in the game, I'm sure not many people outside of Laramie thought they were going to win. You know, they're going to come in here and 
you know, I'm sure that they've been reminded that Tech beat Texas last year and that, you know, Texas has had a history of coming up short in some uh, situations when, when they when they shouldn't. And so I'm sure they're going to come in here thinking that they can win, win this game. And, you know, Texas is going to – they don't need to pull out all the stops, I don't think, but they definitely need to take this Wyoming team seriously. And um, I would assume that, you know, the second that they got to practice on Monday, um, Steve was telling them to flush all the – Alabama talk and all the Alabama, they, 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 some of the players couldn't because they had to come talk to us a couple couple hours later. <laughs> right. But as soon as I got done with the media on Monday, I'm sure Alabama has not been mentioned in that uh, locker room once. So they, they've been trying to give Wyoming their due respect um, so that, you know, they can go take care of business this weekend, which, you know, I, I believe they, they will. Yeah, I believe so too. And, and the spread is 28. Um, so I, you know, somebody asked me about it the other day. And to your point, you're like, Texas has the best athletes on the field. They should be able to go out there and play. Now, the mental part of it and being dialed in to make sure that you do what you're supposed to do. Now, that's going to come on some of those players. And that's that leadership. And we always talk about a player-led team is a team that normally has a lot of success. But if those player-led teams don't have good players, it don't matter, right? And this team definitely as good players so danny before i let you go man um what are your what are your biggest keys that you are are truly looking at moving forward what have you seen in the rest of the big 12 because you brought it up texas should be favored in every game i don't know if it's going to be seven or 27 moving forward but as you look across the landscape of the big 12 what are some of your intriguing storylines right now I mean, you do wonder, you know, where exactly a team like Tech is at. Um, it's, it's been very underwhelming so far this season. Um, and then you kind of wonder, hey, is Oklahoma is Oklahoma back? Are they are they are they that team that was last year? Or was that just a well? Everything went wrong, and Dylan Gabriel got hurt, and that wasn't really the product that Oklahoma should have been put on the field. Are they going to be a you know a force to be reckoned with in the middle of, of October? I mean, I think Kansas State is sitting right there and they deserve everyone's attention. Um, I'm not quite buying into the, the Kansas hype. I mean, I know there's some, a lot of people talking to Kansas with uh, with Jalen and just kind of what he does at quarterback can be a team to threaten Texas. I don't necessarily buy that, but you know, that's another team that'll be interesting to see when they come into, come into DKR in a couple of weeks because that's a team because of what happened two years ago that definitely is not going to be intimidated um, and is going to feel that they have a shot at it. Shout out! My man got an Applebee's deal right after that. They made us ignore what happened last year and just uh, focus on what happened two years ago when they had their had their quarterback. So I mean, there it's going to be interesting to see who challenges Texas and if Texas can live up to those expectations. Because I think the Big Twelve is down this year, but that doesn't mean that you know Texas is going to cakewalk through this this conference. There's there's definitely team, definitely teams that are talented enough that on any day they can they can definitely take it to Texas. And that's, you know, going to be the Kansas States, the Kansases, um, the, the Techs. If they, Tech, I thought Tech was going to be a lot better going into the season. I thought that was probably the one game that I thought Texas needed to be really concerned with. So maybe they get back to where they're supposed to be and um, we'll see what happens in, in Dallas because that's definitely one of those games where the last two years will tell you who, who the hell knows what's going to happen in that that game. Um, so it, it's going to be it's going to be fun um, to cover this team over the next uh, two months and see kind of where they are. And maybe one of these new teams, a BYU, I, I don't think Houston, but a BYU, <laughs> I can come in here and uh, 
make some noise. So we'll we'll see. It should be it should be fun. Pay attention to UCF. UCF is another one of those teams that I've followed over the last few years, and even when Dylan Gabriel was there, that's why I, I, I believed when tech, uh, Oklahoma got Dylan Gabriel. I said, this might be a guy that can fit into their offense. The biggest story for me is what is really going on with Baylor? What is What are the Baylor Bears? I know they lost their quarterback, uh, Blake Shapin, but that ain't the only reason why they're losing ball games. So I'm real interested to see how that Baylor ball game for Texas is going to play out next week too. So Danny, tell everybody where they can follow you and, and where they can find all your work. Yeah, .com. Um If you want to find me on the cesspool that is Twitter, I'm at I'm at uh, underscore Danny Davis, and I mean I'm on Instagram and Facebook, but I don't let people from the outside into that world, so don't right. you don't need to bother bother with that. But I'm on Twitter. Obviously, our, our work on, on statesman.com. There's always always coverage and Longhorn related stuff there. But yeah, that's 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 where I'm at. Well, I appreciate you jumping on and taking the time. I know you're a busy man, and. Uh, I look forward to this weekend, and, and like you said, I look forward to following this team over the next couple of months because I have a feeling we're going to be in for a joyous ride that we yes. hadn't had in a very long time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Appreciate you, Danny. I'm right, I'll see you later. All right, Thanks for having me. There's my man Danny Davis breaking it down about the Texas Longhorns, what he's seen so far, and the expectations of this team. Um I'm with Danny on that, though. When you sit back and you look at this Texas football team and and how the leadership is going to fall, he's right. Coach Coach talked about it on Monday where he was saying that he named off 11 guys that are able to come in and talk about leadership and what's next and how they're going to improve and who is going to do this and that. Those are the types of things that I continue to look at as this team grows, because the, the question is, are you going to fall for the cheese? Are you going to take the cheese or rat poison or whatever you want to call it? And I don't think this team is going to do that. And the reason why I don't think this team is going to do that is because of the leadership in there. Because I remember hearing Jalen Ford talk about the fact that we didn't finish games before. Now you got a chance to finish a game against one of the top teams in the country Year in and year out, you got an opportunity to do so, and your team showed up. So I think that's a huge, huge step in the right direction for them. Now they can go back to the drawing board, still clean up some of those problems, and then dial in on Wyoming because you still have this opportunity to win three games for the first time in non-conference in a very, very long time. And then you prepare for a Baylor team that is wounded. They're wounded. Their quarterback is out. Uh, I, I really can't wait to see Sawyer Robertson uh, talk to his dad and former teammate of mine, and I can't wait to see this young man play. But if he's paid attention to that that offense, I mean, that defensive line that Texas has right now, it's not going to be a pretty sight. That's for doggone sure. But let me tell you how to get a pretty sight. My man, Tom McKay at AV Consultations. If you want to make sure that you want to have a home theater, lighting, anything that is technologically, uh, you want to be more savvy with your technology and watch all these beautiful games. Thursday night football is coming up, MLB playoff races, whether you're at a bar, 
you're going to see Tom McKay's work. So go to AV Consultations. That's avconsultations.com or give them a call at 512-255-8678. And that way you can have your man cave, your woman cave, your she shed, however you want to get it all set up. Tom and his crew will bring it to you. That's avconsultations.com or 512-255-8678. And let Tom and his crew hook you up. You know what I'm saying. Make sure you reach out to him. Before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit about the New York Jets and where should they go? It is a true question that every New York Jet fan is asking themselves. And the reason why they're asking themselves this is because they, they had expectations. They were looking to see their team win multiple games, like Super Bowl fantasies, Joe Namath days. But you know what they do have? They have that sack exchange. You remember that sack exchange? Joe Klecko, Mark Gastineau, my kinfolk Daryl Ray was on that team. You sit there and you look at this uh, New York Jets defense and you say, this is a top 10, top five type of defense, the way that they play with Sauce Gardner on the outside, uh, Quentin Williams on the inside. They were in the backfield and they got playmakers all over the field. But the biggest question is quarterback. They, all, they went all in on a 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers. I went all in on a 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers. You know why? Because he was my quarterback on two different teams. And by the way, both of those teams sucked this past weekend because I didn't have Aaron Rodgers. I was going to win those games, but Aaron Rodgers got hurt. But that's me being selfish. But as I look at what's going on with the New York Jets, I believe, I believe in Zach Wilson. As I told you yesterday, my biggest question mark now is how much time is Aaron Rodgers going to pour in to young Zach Wilson? They looked like they had a great time on uh, Hard Knocks. They looked like they worked well. He was trying to teach him certain things. Aaron Rodgers giving him crap about his headband and all this other stuff. How much is he going to pour in to him? But are you, I see you, Ike. I had him too, bro. Ike said the same thing. He said I had that fool on two teams as well. Loss. Loss. Um, but I might go get Jordan Love. Yeah, how ironic is that? But here's the deal. I posted this yesterday, and I said, as soon as it happened, as soon as everybody talked about it, I said, they need to go get Jameis Winston. And I know a lot of people don't like Jameis Winston. Let's not forget he was a Heisman Trophy winner. I think Jameis Winston can get the ball to those playmakers, and I think Jameis Winston has been around enough coaches now to understand the importance of taking care of the ball. It was risky, no biscuit before with uh, Bruce Arians. Other teams have told him, man, be careful with the football. Everybody wants my man Styles talking about Tom Brady. How will Tom Brady do that after he just got inducted into the Pats Hall of Fame. They retired. Did they did they retire his jersey? I don't know. But he was just there in Foxborough running on the field, doing his arm pump. If he comes back, he probably needs to come back for the Patriots. But I digress. <clears throat> 
So there's some odds that are out there. And I said Jameis Winston, posted, said it, go get Jameis. And Jameis Winston is the odds-on favorite right now to go and be the quarterback for the Jets. Now, he'll come in as a backup, but I still believe that uh, Zach Wilson should get an opportunity. I mean, you you drafted him. You spent a lot of money on that draft. You have draft capital with him. Use him. I know he's terrible, but you got a running game. You got two running backs. that are three, actually, but two really good ones in Brees Hall and uh, uh, Dalvin Cook. You got a playmaker on the outside. You have, you have parts there. And your run game is way better than your passing game. And the reason why I say that is because your offensive line was terrible the other night. And I say terrible. So, to me, you go get James if you need to. Carson Wentz is out there at plus 700. Nick Foles plus 700. Colt McCoy, Longhorn fans, at plus 750. Joe Flacco, who was there, knows the offense. Well, I don't know because you got a new offensive coordinator in Paul Hackett that was brought in for Aaron Rodgers. Now everybody's trying to adjust to his scheme. And another quarterback that'll come in will have to adjust to it. Taysom Hill and Cooper Rush, Teddy Bridgewater, Taylor Heineke, all come in at plus 1,000. Marcus Mariota, that's a name. I believe he's in Philadelphia right now. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I, I, I don't know. Andy Dalton, the red rifle, is still out there. Do you think that's it? Cam Newton's out there, folks. No, they're not going to do that. And the one that I think that they're going to try to go get, and I'm just joking, Tim Tebow. Go get you some Tim Tebow. That guy is ready to go. I don't know, but I hate it for the New York Jet fans. I know that you guys uh, have already bought your tickets to Vegas because you thought you were going to the Super Bowl. I had you guys winning the division, even with Tua and Tyreek and the way that they've been going about their business. I'm sitting there thinking about that. But if I was a betting man, and I've been known to dabble in it, and my cousin has as well, I like the odds for Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, and Jameis Winston. But most importantly, I think Jameis Winston or Marcus Moriota would be the right choice. Because everything else is just like, bleh. Bleh. Still ride with Zach Wilson. Still ride with Zach Wilson. I know nobody likes Zach, but I like Zach. Let me bring in my man Trey Elling and ask him as you get ready to prepare for Trey and BK coming up next right after hanging with Harge. Trey, what are your thoughts with the uh, New York Jets situation and those odds that I just mentioned about possible quarterbacks for them to bring in? You're muted, bro. Can you hear me now? Now I got you, my brother. Sorry about that. Remind me of the odds real quick, if you don't mind. So Jameis Winston at plus 300. Carson Wentz at plus 700. Nick Foles at plus 700. Colt McCoy and Joe Flacco at 750 and 800. Joe Flacco... He was there. Don't forget. He was there. 
He was there. Bulls, what are we doing here, folks? Jameis Winston <laughs> makes a lot of sense. He does. I am disappointed that the Saints didn't give Jameis more of a chance these last couple of years. I would like to see him in a situation like that. But I think Colt McCoy, in terms of a short-term solution until you figure out something longer-term uh, in, in terms of this season, right. I think that might make a lot of sense also. And I get you wanting to give Zach Wilson that one more chance, but unfortunately he looked like a guy who was completely unprepared to play on Monday night. And I think that he would be a major limiting factor in what the Jets might be able to accomplish this year. Because as much as the buzz was around Aaron Rodgers, they did a really good job of building up this roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball in the offseason. And if you leave it in Zach Wilson's hands, it's all going to go for naught. I think I think the reason why Zach Wilson was unprepared is because probably because he didn't get any reps in practice because you know it was game week. You knew that Aaron Rodgers was going to take all of the plays as he normally does at that time. So it was definitely something to pay attention to, see if he had a full week of preparation. But let's be honest, Micah Parsons is looking at him as raw meat this week, and I can't wait to see about it. Uh, my man Trey and BK coming up next, right after hanging with Hards. And as I always say, don't believe everything you see, because even salt looks like sugar. Peace.